And we are back. On this week's episode, I get a chance to sit down with a member who's been with Strongtown since 2011 and who both Mikey and myself have personally known for the past 25-ish years, Justin Krajewski. Justin first started out at Strongtown back in 2011, shortly after we opened up, and throughout the years, he has been one of the most consistent people in the gym. We get to talk about how he first found Strongtown, his experience of sticking with CrossFit while going to law school at Penn State, and we also get a chance to geek out over the whole whoop recovery bracelet watch thing and do a deep dive into some of his mindset. I have to thank him for giving up his time to come talk with me and hope you all enjoy. Welcome to another episode of Strongtown Talks. I am your host, Dan Gallagher. This is a show where we talk with the people and friends of the Strongtown community. Okay, guys, welcome back to another week and another episode of Strongtown Talks. I am here today with a longtime Strongtown member, and this is also a person who I feel like I have known almost my entire life in a weird way, unfortunately. Hey. No, just kidding. Uh, I am here today with Justin Krajewski. Justin has been with Strongtown since we opened in 2011. And I actually feel like, Justin, I want to say the first time I met you might have been at St. Teresa's back in the early to mid-90s. Yeah, 94 is when we moved here. So it probably was somewhere in that range. Yeah, our families have kind of known each other for a long time. I know we moved to Woodbury from, uh, we, well, we grew up in New York, then moved to California, then we moved to Ridgefield, and then from Ridgefield we moved to Woodbury. So we were kind of new to the town, and I feel like you guys had just moved to the town as well. Mm-hmm. And I was the same age as your older brother Jeff. Mikey was the same age as your older brother Jason. Yeah. And you're similar age to our sister, Sarah. So I feel like the family's just kind of connected and we've known you for a very long time, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Your mom had already done the mural at the elementary school, if I remember correctly. So I think that was before we moved here. So you guys were probably here for probably about a year before we were. But okay. we moved here in August of 94. Okay. And where did you move here from? So I was born in Rhode Island, Providence. Grew up in Cranston. And then we moved here. Jason and Jeff obviously were there much longer. They had more of an attachment to the area. When we moved here, I was kind of just like, okay, it's somewhere new. I was four. Right. I, didn't, <laughs> I didn't really know better. I got a new bedroom now. Yeah, I guess I was five, actually, thinking about the dates. Math math isn't my strongest yeah. subject. <laughs> yeah, that wall mural took Jerry Lou a very long time yeah, to do. I can imagine. It was one of the last big projects that she took on, I think. She used to, when we were growing up, she would paint a big mural in our bedrooms. Like mm-hmm. we had this big landscape scene and I don't know how she got roped into doing that. And I remember it being one of those things that she totally regretted accepting because I think it was so much bigger than she ever yeah, that's a anticipated big it would be. It was the whole length of the cafeteria. Mm-hmm. And I think they've since sort of painted over it or something. Which if is, they've painted over that, that's a crime. That I, thing I feel like beautiful. they have. I need to confirm this, but I don't think it's there anymore. Well, they still sell the prints. I know they still sell picture prints of it. My parents have one that they kind of... So they sold it in a full-length version, which was probably about four feet long. And my dad actually went through it with a razor blade and kind of chopped them up into the single seasons. So now we have it sitting in our family room in our house. Very cool. And each season is kind of on its own and one by one. Yeah, because the theme was that it's Woodbury through the different seasons. So mm-hmm. she tried to get in all the different churches and sort of the landmarks on the Main Street area. And I, there's one of those 
little sort of hidden gem or red robin of the painting is that there's one area where there's a uh, there's a red van and Jerry Lou's favorite car for some reason was this red van that we had in Flushing and she had a really hard time getting rid of it or it was just a real much sentimental attachment one of the cars on Main Street is that red van and she's driving it I think Toto the dog might yeah. be in the back seat I didn't even know that of That's the van awesome. I remember Toto. Um, I don't know what season it's in but it's I know the van is there and she's sort of driving the van and that's her little hidden okay, hidden gem that's in there. Awesome. So Justin just spoke briefly about you were born in Rhode Island. You guys moved to Woodbury. Whenever we start these shows, I like to do a little bit of background, just having the person introduce himself, talk about who they are, where they're from. I obviously know where you're from, but yeah. uh, if you don't mind sharing with our audience a little bit about you. Sure. Uh, Justin Krajewski, as you just heard, born in Rhode Island, grew up in Woodbury pretty much all my life since I was five. Um, grown up, played sports a lot. Baseball and basketball were my primary growing up. Kind of always been into fitness, but I never worked out. So I was very athletic growing up, but I was thin, lanky. You know, people see me now and probably assumed I was kind of bigger always growing up. But I was only 165 pounds when I graduated high school. Yeah, I kind of remember you being a rail. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I was. I was, which is funny because when I hit college is when I gained all my weight and I started panicking about it. But I still never really worked out well because it was always the, you know, going to the gym. And I'd rather be doing something, doing an activity than just sitting on a machine and doing crunches or mm -hmm. lat pull downs or you know whatever you had at the the gym i signed up for every intramural i could during college i played soccer i played softball i played basketball you know i swam because i dated a girl on the swimming team during college i did everything i could to stay active but actually getting myself to the gym to work out hated it and that was one of the things that i really avoided i can relate to i used to feel that if there's a ball involved. I could just chase it for days. Mm -hmm. If you asked me to run a mile, I'd try to find the first corner to cut yeah. to make that distance a little bit shorter. Well, it's funny. I mean, I, I hate running it. it. I shouldn't say hate. Hate's a strong word, but I severely despise running. But you put a soccer ball on the ground, and I'll run five miles easily without noticing it. Well, I'll be tired, but I'll keep playing until I, I'll keep making sprints. I'll keep making runs. You know, it doesn't matter to me yeah. as long as I'm doing something that takes my mind off of how tired i am then i'm good but running you don't have that you just go and then you yeah. focus on it there's nothing to keep the mind active outside no. of just more running that's why and, swimming. And the fact that you're still running yeah that's why swimming was hard we did swim on for a while and as soon as you would get in the pool it'd just be like holy crap i'm tired you know you have to focus on not only swimming with the proper form but getting through the water when you're tired mm -hmm. and it made it that much harder but that's kind of why i liked it too yeah we were talking to Susie jones the other day originally granted last year was a bit of a, a train wreck but at one point we kind of thought swim wad was going to be done just because she was looking at selling edgewood to the town and that deal kind of fell through so she's still the owner so i'm hoping that we'll be able to do some sort of swim wad this summer again uh -huh. I'd love that. Um, I think there are some capacity issues. I don't know what she's able to get in the pool. I think it might be like six people or eight people or something, but I'm hoping that we can do something to get back out there because it was, I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a great workout. 
and is a lot different than anything we actually do in the gym. Yeah. The fact that once you're in the water, you can't really breathe and it gives you a whole other thing to focus mm-hmm. on. It. it was fantastic. And unfortunately, I don't think many classes that I attended, we had more than that six to eight range. Yeah, we never had a huge turnout. It was always a smaller group anyways. Yeah. We're kind of one person per lane. Yeah, but it, it was one of the best workouts I ever got simply because of the fact that it's so much harder. You have to give it everything to just not drown you know yeah i feel like running you get a little slower Mm -hmm. and once you're in the water it's a very different perspective because you realize that you can't breathe yeah and that if you screw up you're potentially going down yeah i mean when you're working out in the gym or outside running or what have you you don't have to think about breathing it's just natural you're gonna breathe in the water you actually have to focus on timing your breathing when you breathe and how to breathe and it's just a very different way of working out and it you know it helps it translates because when you're starting in the gym Mm -hmm. you're thinking okay focus calm down your breathing know when to breathe yeah but when you're in the water it's your heart rate even just thinking about when you have to breathe your heart rate can get jacked up just from that it was amazing oh yeah one thing that makes swim water a little complicated is it is a much smaller repertoire of movements that we're able to incorporate yeah just in the gym, we have this big list of movements that we're able to pull off and put together. Swim lot, I remember the first year we were out there, I think we were trying to do burpees on the pool deck or something. Oof. And that just doesn't work. It's a concrete deck. Everyone's bare feet. It's just kind of raw on the feet. Yeah. I mean, I think they're designed specifically so that you don't slip. So when you when you yeah. go down with your chest, it's a little rough. We've been better about limiting the movements that we do. So it tends mm-hmm. to be a lot of things like air squats, push-ups, and she has some dumbbells there that we're able to play with. Yeah. And if I remember correctly, last time we did it, you know, you always had the the kickboards there mm-hmm. that people could do the push-ups on. Yeah. You don't get to your chest to the deck as much. So you're limiting your range of motion, but at least you're not getting scratched up and you don't want to come back. Right. It's a good reminder for myself. I need to follow up with Susie and figure out what the actual schedule for that is. That's one thing I've been thinking about because, you know, I talk to Susie every once in a while when I see her here. So I was hoping that we might be able to go back. Yeah. You know, I never want to insert myself into someone else's business. Oh, no, feel free, Justin. (laughs) Just plant the seed. Get get yourself right in there. So Susie, you know, we we going back, Susie. Come on. She's actually someone I need to get on the podcast because I'd like to share what she does at Edgewood. Yeah, she would be She puts a lot of work into that place too. Oh, yeah. We talked a little about your background in sports. Do you remember what first brought you to Strongtown yeah, when was, you first started out or how you first heard about us? It was your dad. So I had just graduated college in May of 2011, and I think it was probably early July. So I'd only been home for a month and a half, and I still hadn't found a place to work out. You know, I gained a lot of weight when I was in college, and there were a couple summers when I was working out in Martha's Vineyard where so i worked for my aunt out on martha's vineyard and as part of my deal she signed me up for a gym okay um so i worked for her and then i went to the gym and it was already paid for was this more of a traditional style gym it was it was yeah and i was able to lose weight but i think part of that was i was on my feet all day while i was working for her if you've ever been to martha's vineyard it's a small place you really have to schedule in advance if you want to take a car out there and quite frankly i didn't have a car at that time so I took a bike and I biked everywhere. Yeah. When I was going to the beach on my days off, when I was going to work, I biked. So it, constant movement, constantly being on my feet helped me lose weight while I was in the summer. But as soon as I went back to college, I would gain it all. Not really because I was drinking. I've never been a huge drinker. I, I do have the occasional cocktail, but more so because my diet wasn't great. I still struggle with my diet every now and then. But when I got home, my mom and I were doing errands and we both 
were coming back one day. I think it was probably from somewhere around new morning. And I just looked at my mom and said, you know, we haven't seen the Gallagher's in years. And my mom was like, well, let's stop by. And so we took that long drive down your driveway and uh, knocked on the door and I feel like I remember this. I don't yeah. know. I don't know if you were home. I don't remember you being home. I remember Sarah being there with her boyfriend at the time. I may have been in London at the time. I think you were. Yeah. I think you were. Uh, but Sarah was there with her boyfriend and they were getting ready to go to Fire Island and your mom and your dad were there. Mm-hmm. And I remember just being on the floor petting Toto or your dog. I think Toto was, was Toto. Dog. Yeah. yeah. Petting Toto. And I think, I don't know how we got on the subject. But I was talking to your dad about how I wanted to go somewhere to work out because I needed to start getting back in shape. And your dad just goes, well, you know, Mikey and Dan just opened a gym up in Southbury. It's actually pretty close to you. You you might want to check that out. So I was like, okay, yeah. And I think I ended up calling Mikey or stopping by that day. Mm -hmm. And that was before you guys were doing fundamentals. You were literally just signed up. So Mikey was like, yeah, come in and try a class, get in, try a class. So I came in the next day. And again, you know, I'd always been athletic growing up. So it wasn't one of those things where I was like, yeah, I'll I'll do it. I'll be fine. And holy crap. I did that one class and I didn't come back for a week because I was so sore. So do you remember what the workout was? It was something, you know, obviously I listened to the podcast and I've been trying to think of this. It was something with, I think deadlifts were the lifting movement. And then I think it was like running in air squats. So okay. something that really hit quads hard. And, you know, if you're not working out, your quads are one of the first things to feel it. Oh, yeah. They just hold the lactic acid. Yeah. And my job at the time was bartending and serving at the Heritage. And I mean, Mikey and Kelly know because <laughs> they used to come there all the time. Uh, Shadrachs or yeah, yeah. now it's the tavern. But the bar, the restaurant area is up a set of stairs from the kitchen the kitchen's downstairs i've noticed that there yes so you got to go around behind and go down a set of stairs and i just remember being miserable for a week going up and down those stairs trying to recover and right around the four or five day mark i started to feel better but then i was working and i couldn't get back in but i remember coming back in for that second class and mikey was <laughs> mikey said to me oh i thought we lost you there for a while <laughs> i said no i just couldn't recover and needed to come back that's actually fairly common mm-hmm. it's funny we all we have people try to class all the time and right now the next step is the fundamentals there's people who will do the class they they feel great and they're like okay you know we're gonna sign up for the fundamentals and then we don't hear from them for like a week or 10 days yeah and a lot of times we do find out it's that they were too sore to come back mm-hmm. and they just needed some questioning time to whether of, they yeah, want to <laughs> right to really reflect on their decisions yeah yeah i don't i'm not surprised it's it's a shock to the system those first couple classes there's an old main site workout, which is, it's a few rounds of a 400 meter run and 50 air squats. And that's kind of what I thought I, of when you were just talking about that workout. It may have been that one. It might have. I've done it. that before. I've done that before when I was living on my own, didn't have money to go to the, the gym where I was living. Mm-hmm. So that one is rough. You look at it and you think, oh, air squats and running. How hard is this? It's right. a, I think it's a 400 yes. and 50 air squats, four rounds. And you see it and you think, oh, that's so easy. Just do it. And by the second round of air squats, you are miserable and you just want to, yeah. <laughs> you just want it to end. It's a deceiving workout. I think it's up there with Nancy in some ways, which that has weighted overhead squats. Mm-hmm. But in terms of just one of those workouts where 
you do the squats, you go out for the next run and is just Frankenstein mode for the yeah. first few steps, just trying to pick up your legs and get yeah. yourself moving again. And again, I'm no runner. So any workout I found where I have to do a movement and then go into running, my first run will be great. But then my second and every subsequent run gets a little worse. You know, mm -hmm. I, I shuffle my feet by the end. It's not really a run. It's more like a speed walk. I, I can relate. <laughs> <laughs> so Justin, I know one thing that I always find interesting is we've had a lot of people who will start with us and that once it comes time to go to school or to do sort of like the next step in their life, whatever that might be, we tend to lose them. We've had a lot of people who have moved away from this area that have intentions of trying to do it wherever they live and they kind of fall off the wagon and it's hard for them to get into involved in another gym there. You ended up, you started with us and you were at Heritage or Shadrax for a bit you then went to law school mm -hmm. for a bit down at Penn State, Yeah, if I remember this correctly. Yes. And while you were there, you actually went to CrossFit Nittany. Mm -hmm. I always find CrossFit gyms, each one is their own little culture in some ways. And yeah, you know, although we're all doing sure. CrossFit, every gym does tend to be a little bit different. So how was that adjustment going from Strongtown to another gym? And then you know, now you're back at Strongtown, we're obviously your favorite. Yeah, uh, you guys are absolutely my favorite. Uh, it was interesting. I mean, so I was here in 2011 because I took a year off. I didn't decide I wanted to go to law school until really late on in my senior year. Okay. So I was forced to take a, a year off because I couldn't take the LSATs and apply and get in in time. So I did CrossFit that whole year I was home. I think you came back in 2012 this, mm -hmm. that summer. And I, I remember getting pretty far in some of my skills. Like I could do ring muscle ups by the end of the summer of 2012. Never gotten those again, but <laughs> keep it on the list. It'll come yeah, back. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I went, I went to school and it was very different because here, you know, we have a lot of families. We have a lot of working adults, mm -hmm. people who fit CrossFit into their life. You know, obviously it's a, big part of their life but there it there were a lot of people who were exclusively crossfitters you know it's a younger population because it's a college town yes uh, yeah penn state is huge yeah and granted this so there are two at crossfit gyms in state college there's crossfit lionheart and crossfit nittany okay lionheart is located in downtown state college it's more really geared towards the students but they also have a like a separate traditional gym component to them so that they get okay. a lot more of the students that go there. Nittany for a while was uptown and serviced more of the families and the people that w work at the school, but like don't live on campus, don't live mm -hmm. downtown. Quite frankly, you try to avoid that unless you have to when you're living in the state college area. Well, yeah, just for reference, state college is an actual city mm -hmm. in some way. There is, I mean, I, I went to UConn. It is a defined campus. Yeah. They have since added on the Husky Village and some other stuff for some housing and more retail areas. I visited the Penn State campus with Kathleen once, and I didn't realize how big it was yeah. and how much of a small city it was, too. Yeah, it's interesting. So the city is actually, you can kind of think about it in three parts. There's University Park, which actually has its own zip code, and that's where the actual Penn State campus is. Okay. University Park is in the smack dab center of State College. And then everywhere north of University Park has its own zip code, and everywhere south of University Park has a different zip code. But it's all state college. And the whole town grew up around the college as it was becoming big, and I think 1855 is when the college was founded. Mm -hmm. So as the college grew, the town grew, and now Penn State's a massive, massive school. Yeah. So you have a city 
around it. Obviously not as big as Pittsburgh or Philly, but Penn State actually does become the third largest or third most populous city on football game days in Pennsylvania. Yeah. And that's only second to Pittsburgh and Philly. So, you know, you cram a lot of people into that small area. It's also a football school. Yeah, that's for sure. It's going to be a little bit of a tangent. Do you know what it is with Pennsylvania and Lions? Uh, well, so like what's with, cause it's like the Nittany line and you mentioned Lionheart and it's a, yeah, the, it's the logo a, of Penn state is like a lion. I've never seen lions in Pennsylvania. No, and you won't anymore. <laughs> uh, they, so it's funny. It's a, a particular strain of mountain lion that I guess had a blue kind of sheen to its fur. Okay. But they were hunted to extinction. And if you look out of the football stadium, if you're in a certain vantage point, you can see the mountain. Actually, you can see from practically anywhere on campus. It's off to the southeast. Yeah, southeast. And I'll fact that's, check this. that's where the lions really were. That's where they were congregated. And then apparently they were hunted to extinction because Penn State was a farming school originally. Yes. Um, so the farmers didn't want their livestock getting eaten by these mountain lions. So they went out and hunted them and they were just hunted to extinction but since then they've become the mascot for the school i did not know that yeah so there were lions in pennsylvania there were mountain lions yeah mountain lions okay so they've adopted this logo penn state is also where michael murphy went to college yeah you know we do murph it's one of the most famous workouts in the crossfit community it's also a workout that's kind of grown past crossfit in a lot of ways there's a lot of people who do murph that aren't involved in crossfit and Mm -hmm. it's just a workout that they do to honor this individual because he's become this icon i didn't realize that murph actually went to penn state yeah that's a really cool connection yeah so if you walk down on main campus i forget what avenue it is but there's a mural of a lot of different important figures who have come through penn state in the past and as people die the artist who originally did it adds a halo and murph is on that wall in his full dress navy gear and he has a halo above his head it's it's a special workout for us i remember the first time i did it i didn't realize that he had gone there and people explained it to me and you know it's always kind of since then become a, a special workout for me in particular having that connection obviously i didn't know him he's a probably five years older than i am mm-hmm. so you know didn't know him at all but having people there that feel that connection to him and then having a commonality like that it made things extra special when we would do it yeah it's almost surreal in some ways that we create these connections with places and sometimes with people and then when you think about that this person was in this place it does does create a deeper bond yeah for sure um when i would work out at nittany people there would take it very seriously i remember particular there was one woman there named Susie, great woman had a lot of fun meeting her and always competed together on certain teams that we did and stuff but she was very hardcore with murph and she made sure that people knew if you were going to do it rx you needed to do it with a weight vest because murph would always train with his weight vest on or with his tactical gear you know yeah weight vest for us but with his tactical body, gear. Ar- body armor yeah so if you were going to do it rx if you wanted to put it rx you had to do it with a weight vest otherwise it wasn't doing it rx yeah because it wasn't really doing it how he did it Murph is going to kick my ass this year. I'm not looking forward to it. It's going to be, this might be a negative PR year for me. I'm trying to get my training in now. I've been running with Sid, but in terms of the push-ups, they're usually what get me and I need to start now if I'm going to have any hope. Yes. The push-ups will make or break the workout Yeah, really quick. Oh yeah. 
just being able to hold that volume. I know Patty Lamarco and Carl are back on their Murph training. Okay, maybe I should and join them. I guess Pat was talking to Carl the other day that he's not sure if he's ready to hop into the group classes yet. Mm-hmm. So he is strictly doing Murph prep <laughs> and just different versions of Murph and Cindy and running and all that stuff mixed up. Yeah. But get along, ready. along with that, I also always try to donate to the Murph Foundation because mm-hmm. that, you know, having that special connection, I, I feel like I'm not obligated, but like a part of me wants to keep that memory alive, help the foundation, mm-hmm. you know, help the cause. So I always make sure I donate too. It's I, just something special. I actually special. just got an email from them the other day. Their uh, registration's the, open. Yeah, they yeah. did. Well, it's like they said registration is open and that if you buy a t-shirt, you're automatically registered for the challenge this year. But I thought that was how it worked every year. Yeah, that is how it works every year. Maybe like, they're just recycling the same email. Different, I think they're just recycling the same email. Uh, usually there's like different levels that you can give. Uh, yeah, because like, there's one that you can just get the t-shirt. There's one mm-hmm. that you can get the t-shirt and the hat, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So I think the first level is the, just the t-shirt. I think that's like 20 or $30. It's like 30. Yeah. And then it goes up to $60 with the t-shirt, the hat, and they give you a wristband. Actually, you know, this, I've always had, I've never really been one when the Livestrong bracelets were coming out and stuff like that. I never really got those. This Murph challenge I've had on my wrist since the day I got it and I've never taken it off. Really? So yeah, I think the first time I did it or first time I paid for it was when I was in state college because we always used to do it on July 4th. And when I got to state college, everyone was like, no, you have to do it Memorial day. It's Memorial day Murph. It is. So you do it on Memorial day. And so I started looking it up and it just really obviously sparked an interest, made, I made a connection, felt compelled to, and I had a little extra cash that year. So I donated and I got the, the bracelet. So very nice. Yeah. Yeah. We used to initially do it on the 4th of July. And I think that was a, a remnant of our CrossFit Watertown days at that gym. They would sit on the 4th of July. So when we opened up, we kind of kept that tradition going. Eventually, I just started noticing that the entire CrossFit community just called Memorial Day Murph. Mm-hmm. So we ended up shifting it to Memorial Day, which I think it was a better change just because there were times doing Murph on the 4th of July is absolutely miserable. We did, we did it this past year because fortunately we weren't open on Memorial Day and we did want to do the workout for 2020. Yeah. So we did it on 4th of July, but there are some 4th of Julys where it's 90 something degrees and humid and just miserable and... There were some Memorial Days when it's like that too. There and, are, I know. And you know, the flip side of doing it on Memorial Day is we don't run much in the winter. Mm-hmm. So it's early in Murph the Murph is one of the first big running workouts that we do where there's that mile buy-in and cash out at the end of it, which is a real gut check for a lot of people on the run. Yeah, it's rough, especially for someone like me. Justin, I'm just looking at your wrist. I'm going to bounce around a little bit. I noticed you have the Murph uh reminder bracelet and the other thing that you have which is starting to become a little bit more popular in the crossfit community right now is the whoop bracelet yeah i know brian murray has one in the gym i think sid does and a few other people can you talk about the whoop for a bit like do you like it sure my understanding is it tracks your sleep your recovery Mm -hmm. it tracks your heart rate essentially that's all it does but they have algorithms and metrics where they're able to calculate your activity it's a subscription-based model where you pay per month, but you're able to prepay for a certain amount of months, and then they reduce the subscription price based on that. Okay. So what I did is when I got the first stimulus check last year, I was still working at the time, so I had my regular income. I had this extra check that I kind of wanted to spend. So I had been seeing it on Instagram with some of the athletes, particularly Katrin, David's daughter. Mm-hmm. She had been advertising it for a while and Brooke Wells. So 
I got it. I never really tracked anything. I didn't have an Apple watch. I had a Fitbit for a while, but that I noticed when I was doing CrossFit, it wouldn't really record my workouts because it, I had a base model. It only kind of, when you shook your wrist, it would register, but yeah. it didn't track your heart rate. So I was kind of getting frustrated with that, that, you know, I had this thing, I wanted it to be measuring how hard I was going and how active I was being, but it really wasn't. So I'd seen the whoop and I prepaid for 18 months. So I'm almost at a year now, but it was, it's a great investment, not only for measuring your activity and how hard you're going, but your recovery, mm -hmm. even, even when on days that you don't work out, yeah, it's it gives fantastic. You, it, my understanding is it actually measures your recovery and gives you a score on yeah. it somehow. Yep. So you have a you have a strain score and a recovery score on it. Okay. So it actually tells you when based on how hard you've gone that day and what you intend on doing the next day, whether you're trying to just have like a average and they call it get by mm -hmm. or whether you're trying to perform or whether you're trying to peak. And you're able to preset which of those for the days of the week that you want to do it. Okay. So for someone like me who has a set schedule where I come pretty much Monday, Wednesday, or Monday through Wednesday, mm -hmm. take off Thursday, come Friday and Saturday, the Monday through Wednesday, well, Monday and Tuesday I have is just perform days. Wednesday I typically have as a peak day where I want to try to get more sleep and peak simply because of the fact that I'm going to need more sleep to do that third day in a row. Okay. Because I'm tired. And then Thursday I have as a get by day where I don't really care how much sleep I got the night before because I'm not going to be working out. Same with Sunday. Mm -hmm. And then Fridays are a perform day and Saturdays are a peak day because Saturday's workouts are usually a little more intensive. Yeah, in the program yeah. schedule, yeah. Which actually a lot of the time does me in because I don't get as much sleep Friday night, you know, hanging out with friends or, you know, staying up late, talking to my girlfriend, whatever. <laughs> and so I don't fall asleep until after midnight a lot of the time. And then my strain score is like miserable. It's 34%. It, so the strain score is, is at a 21 and it measures your heart rate and how intense your heart rate is going. And you can either do a timer while you're doing the activity, or you can do a timer after the fact you can go in and pick out what times that you are actually doing it. That's a little harder because you kind of have to know you know, what times was I doing this? And then you go in and look at the total map of the day mm -hmm. for the activity level. And you have to go in and pick the times where you think that you started it based on your heart rate spike. So the timer is more helpful, but then based on how much activity you've done during the day and based on what your sleep was, it will calculate how much time you were actually in bed, how much time you were asleep in each stage of your sleep. Mm -hmm. So whether it was like light asleep, REM sleep or deep sleep, and then it will also tell you your respiratory rate. And I think there's one other. Yeah, there's there's one other metric. Hold on, I'll, I'll look it up. Since yeah, I'm most curious about some of the sleep stuff. Yeah, I feel so, like I sleep awful. Okay. Sleep is one of those things like I feel like I'm never sleeping. I'm just always awake in bed. So I'm sure it would be an absolute train wreck of a score. But then every morning I wake up and I feel exhausted. And Yeah, so the metrics are time in bed, disturbances, efficiency, your respiratory rate and latency, which is essentially how long it takes you to fall asleep. Mm -hmm. And it, it calculates all those it's based and, on heart rate. Now that's how it's determining it, that. Yeah. It monitors your heart rate. And as you sleep, your heart rate drops because you're, you don't need your heart up as much to circulate your blood. You have to wear it for like a week, I think before it really starts really getting a feel for okay. you. And they say for the first week, you're really supposed to 
when you're falling asleep, you're supposed to start the timer. And then when you wake up, you're supposed to hit the timer off. But after that, it will auto detect and it'll auto detect pretty well. And it calculates based on all of those metrics, how well you slept. So you can sleep for 14 hours, but if your respiratory rate is at like 17, Mm -hmm. you didn't really breathe well. You didn't really recover well. For me, an average respiratory rate while I'm sleeping is 15.4 to 15.6. Okay. And, you know, I'm not quite sure exactly what that number means. I should do more. But the lower your respiratory rate, the better. I do know that. Obviously, the lower number of disturbances, the better. And that essentially goes into how efficiently you slept and how good your recovery is. Mm -hmm. And it tracks all of this by your heart rate. So the Whoop isn't like an Apple Watch or even a Fitbit or a Garmin. You know, there's so many others out there. The Whoop doesn't have a screen. And a lot of people don't like that. Yeah, Um, it just looks like a wristband with a watch face with the strap over the top of it. That's exactly what it is. But it, it monitors your heart rate and it's completely waterproof. You can do any activity you want with it. I wear it all the day, every day. The only time I undo it is when I'm in the shower to clean underneath where it is. Mm-hmm. And then I put it right back on. My understanding is you also charge it while you're wearing it. Yeah, it's great. Uh, so they have probably a patented system, I, I'm guessing. I'm sure they do, yeah. Uh, but it's a little, essentially a battery pack that just slips right over the top and it clicks into place and you just keep going. You can't get the battery packs wet they're not waterproof, but the actual strap is. (laughs) So you just make sure you're not getting in the water while you have the battery pack on and you're good. And the battery pack just charges it while you're wearing. You never take this off, which is part of the success, I guess, for this. Yeah. Um, Because they get a strong baseline because you never have to take it off. Yeah, I know CrossFit, the new CEO, the Eric Rose guy, he has a background in tech. And one of the things I was listening to the other day was they were talking about how Glassman had turned down a lot of companies over the years that were interested in sponsoring CrossFit or trying to be involved in the community. He just didn't want anything to do with them. So Reebok got their foot in the door. Outside that, there are vendors that you'd see like FitAid and Killcliff who kind of served the CrossFit community, but no one who's a direct sponsor. The new CEO, he's been much more open to some of that stuff. So I know he recently partnered with Whoop. Mm -hmm. And I've been really curious to see how that union between these two companies is going to play out. I, I think it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I think CrossFitters are very big on metrics. You know, we like to observable, measurable, repeatable, everything we want to do, try to measure to the extent that we can, whether it's with meal prep, you measure your food with mm-hmm. workouts, you're trying to measure the weight on the bar. I think it makes a lot of sense. And I, I'm actually kind of curious and excited to see where that partnership goes. If getting the CrossFit community more on board with Whoop, I'm sure it will help the developers of Whoop. Mm-hmm. I know Jason Kalipa has also been a big fan of their product for a while too. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It's great, not only for CrossFit, but in my regular life. You know, if I'm having a crappy day and arguing with people or I have an attitude and then I you know, haven't really checked my strain, strain score, I look at it and it's like, oh, you're only 23% recovered today. Well, no shit, so I'm tired now. Yeah. And now I know why I have an attitude. Now I know why I'm not feeling great. The way it improves your everyday life, not only in terms of working out and stuff like that, but just seeing how you recover, how you sleep. To go along with the the recovery, there's a journal that you kind of can fill out on your own as your day goes. And I have to admit that I'm not always great with filling out the Mm -hmm. journal because it's more time consumed and I'd rather just wake up and get going. But it goes through everything like, did you 
have a dog or cat sleep in your room to <laughs> how much alcohol you drank that day because everything like that can affect how you recover. Yeah. So you keep track in that journal and you know, it keeps it every month. It sub- resubmits it to you and shows you, you know, these days you, you slept better. Like a, a report card type thing. Almost. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's really, it's really good. It's really useful. No, that's very cool. I know Matt Frazier, I haven't heard him talk about whoop yet, but I know he's big on the importance of sleep recovery. Mm-hmm. So he has one of those dawn alarm clocks where it, have you seen these? It basically, it's a light. Yeah, so actually, it's I have to one. simulate the sun coming up. So instead of just sort of waking up to the snooze button, like blaring in your face, or mm-hmm. the, the alarm just going off, this thing gets gradually brighter and brighter and brighter. And it's supposed to be more of a natural wake up. He also has a a cooling pad mm-hmm. for the bed, which is supposed to regulate your temperature a little bit. If okay. you're someone like I get very hot when I sleep, so me too. Kathleen will have the weighted blanket on her, and then I have like half those blankets on me. Just because I just I cook during the night, so yeah. the idea of the cooling pad being that it kind of regulates the temperature of the bed a little bit more, so you don't get too hot, and it's supposed to sort of help keep your body at a certain temperature. But that's interesting. I think sleep is definitely one of those factors for recovery, which tends to be often under uh, appreciated. Underappreciated for sure. I mean, you feel like you can go out and do anything after this, and I know you know I've heard it talked about. Some people you get the boost of energy after you're worked out so if you work out at night then you're feeling okay i'm great or if you're someone like me who drinks pre-workout no matter what workout you're doing even if you come to the 5 30 class you're up and jazzed so you end up staying up late be it for work or for whatever reason you stay up late then you come to class the next day and you try to lift and you're like oh well i'm only hitting 80 percent of what i can do what what the hell is going on it's because you didn't get enough sleep it's as simple as that a lot of the time Brian Murray has one. He was joking that it's kind of like workout shaming. Yeah. Where, you know, if, if your strain score isn't high enough, it kind of reminds you that you should still be doing a little bit more today because you haven't given it your, your full effort. Being in a tracking group with Sydney is workout shaming enough. I mean, her strain score is off the charts all the time. She really puts in a lot of effort into her workouts. So when I look at my score compared to hers, usually I'm down there. <laughs> now you can make a group. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. me, Brian and Sid are all in the same group and it, we have it labeled as strong town. Sid is the admin of it. We're hoping that more people from the gym get them so we can add them. Then we have a, a broader base, but yeah, we can, we have a group and you can look at everyone else's recovery. You can look at everyone else's strain for that day. You see what activities they did. And so what strain they got for Mm -hmm. each activity it's pretty cool it's a pretty i don't want to call it invasive but you're able to see a lot more on a group like this than when i was using fitbit you're only able to see steps pretty much unless someone makes it available to you this you really don't have the option you just see everything yeah the whoop stuff is really very cool i appreciate having you come on the show today normally when we kind of try to wrap up these episodes i like to run through a series of rapid fire questions and these are just some simple questions i like to ask all my guests who come on, because I'm trying to be more consistent with this stuff, and I have been pretty good about it recently. You have. So, Justin, the first question that I like to ask everybody is that is if you had the ability to go back in time and send yourself a message on the first day trying out a class, what would that message be? Prepare for pain, but learn to enjoy the pain because you're always going to have it if you're pushing yourself. Yeah, you would uh, send yourself a message that says prepare for pain, Justin. Yeah, because I typically don't deal with it well. It's something that, you know, if I'm starting to feel pain in a workout, I kind of shut down. I don't push myself. They, you know, people like Nick who are here at the gym. Oh, yeah, he loves I, it. I, yeah, he loves it. And <laughs> I admire it. it because he's, 
that kind of fuels him to keep going harder. For someone like me, if I start feeling like a tweak or something and I'm not comfortable, it's hard for me to keep going. And so it's really preparing myself for that, but teaching myself to understand that that's the stuff that makes you better Mm -hmm. in this. But not only that, there's there's others like uh, make sure you work on mobility just as much as you work on getting stronger. Yeah. Something as simple as that. I've noticed for me, especially I've noticed a drop in certain areas of my mobility. And I feel like if I had been doing that consistently, who knows where my lifts would be, but it certainly would help. And as I've worked on it more, as I've progressed and gotten more into CrossFit, it really helps. I will say you're probably one of the more diligent people in the gym with your mobility work. I appreciate that. I feel like in the last couple of months, I haven't been that great, but I appreciate that. Do you use, is it GoWad? Yeah, GoWad Mobility. And that gives you sort of each day, there's basically like a mobility workout on there, or you kind of go in based on what the workouts are and you try to find stuff that works for you. Yeah. So you get, I think two weeks free at the very beginning, you have to take a kind of what they call a mobility test. And it runs you through, I think probably... 10 to 15 exercises that you Mm -hmm. have to do not exercises but stretches and it measures how flexible you are or inflexible or inflexible (laughs) yeah um and you run through it and it spits back a score at you so it's actual data that you're getting about how flexible you are and certain parts are more flexible certain parts are less flexible so then based on that test it calculates what you need to work at and then the daily stuff it gives you to do and you can choose based on how much time you have so the daily mobility activities are either eight minutes 15 minutes or 21 22 minute segments okay and you can do any of those but it will focus on from your test where you need work and it will give you more of those obviously it stretches your whole body you know you never want to lose focus on something to the detriment of another area, but it will definitely focus on some of the areas where you're weak more so that you can build that up more. And do you try to do at least eight minutes a day with it? Or (laughs) I tried to honestly, lately I've been more only getting it like one day a week, uh, which is bad, uh, which compared to what I was two years ago, I feel like in 2019, when I first started using it, I was using it all the time and it does cost money for the subscription. But the way I look at it is I would rather pay for this and then like get lunch one day a week or something, you know, it, mm-hmm. this will have a better long-term effect on my health Yeah, than something like that. Does it require any mobility tools? Does it expect you to have a band or a lacrosse ball or a foam roller, or is it mostly just static stretching? And so for the daily stretches, it doesn't, I haven't noticed any of those, except if you're modifying something where you would need a band, there's a couple stretches where if you're modifying it, having a band, it will require you to have that, but it has specific stretches programmed for the open stuff. I noticed that Mm -hmm. when the opens were going on, you can type in some of the named workouts it has specific programs for those warming up and cooling down mm-hmm. and for the post wad stuff a lot of the time you will need a foam roller and a lacrosse ball sometimes it has a barbell sometimes it has a box required but okay. all this stuff if you're at the gym you can have all the equipment necessary yeah readily available mm-hmm. i know um keep talking about Fraser on this. I know he's a big advocate of the GoWad program. Yeah, he's actually sponsored by them. He It's his Makes picture sense. when yeah. you bring up the app. But he talks about doing it literally every morning when he wakes up, but his first thing he does mm-hmm. is 8 to 15 minutes of the GoWad stuff. Yeah. I feel like RomWad was the big one that first got into the whole mobility. So, well, prior to Kelly Star Red and MobilityWad, they came out with RomWad. And I know Noah Olson's a big RomWad advocate. And I feel like 
the general consensus that I've gotten is that a lot of people seem to like the GoWad stuff mm-hmm. a lot more than ROMWAD. Well, like we were talking about with Whoop, it gives you actual data that you can see, you can adjust off mm-hmm. of, and that helps. You know, people like data, people like seeing where they're falling short, where they're doing well, and it helps you adjust. It helps you get better when you can yeah. actually have a number in front of you of what you need to work it for. gives you something to shoot for, something that just seems a bit more grounded and real. Yeah, for sure. Like, yeah, I like it. Justin, next question. I'm curious to see what your answer for this one is because we go back with you to 2011, literally the very beginning. But what is your most memorable moment or workout at Strongtown? All right. So obviously I knew this was coming. It's on all the podcasts. So Murph is the one that everyone gives. And obviously for my special special connection, that is an important one. But to give something different, the first open I did, so it would be 12.1 or 12.2. It was a snatch ladder where there were four different stages. You had to hit like 30 snatches, I think on each, or maybe it was 20 snatches on each. Yes, it was nothing but snatches, if I remember. It was remember. nothing but snatches. Four yeah. stages you had I to... I want to say it started at maybe 75. It was like 75, <clears throat> It might have been 75, 95. I know 135 was one of them. It was, yeah. Because I had never hit a snatch before. At, uh, 135. And honestly, for a few years after, I had never hit it again until a couple of years later. But I remember being in the gym on the concrete and next to the board and doing it. Lindsay Araheim was there, and I think she was judging me. And I failed like two or three attempts to get 135. And she just starts screaming at me, <laughs> like getting in my face, like, you can do this. Don't effing stop. Like, you're going to fucking put it up. And I'm just like, okay. And then she goes, try splitting. And I'm like, huh, okay, I'll try splitting. So I did a split snatch and I got it up. And it was just like, holy shit, I just did 135. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I got it. I got it up and with a split snatch. And I had never done it. And Split snatching now is so foreign. It feels so weird. It's an awkward movement, yeah. But I I don't know how. I got it up. And to this day, I never forget Lindsay in my face screaming at me that I was just going to put the weight up. Yeah. I remember Bernie, when he was in the gym, he was a natural splitter. Mm-hmm. Like We could not get him to keep his feet together. But if we were snatching, it was going to be a split snatch. If we were cleaning, it was going to be a split <laughs> clean. It was just like he kind of defaulted to that split movement and just don't overthink it. That's what you're going to be doing. Just go with it. Yeah, yeah just ride it out. I know there's a really old school crossfair named Josh Everett and he's always been a big advocate of the split snatch and split clean. And it is more of like an old school weightlifting thing in some ways. I mean, it's the whole idea of the jerk is that, you know, we're just trying to lower our center Mm -hmm. and put ourselves in a solid receiving position. So in the jerk, it's much easier to go into a split position to lower your hips and sort of catch that bar and stabilize everything than it is to sort of basically drop into an overhead squat or deep power position and try to stabilize that bar overhead so well that relates back to the mobility i you know my hip mobility isn't great and that's honestly on my my app that's where i have the most problems so when i was down at the bottom of a squat i couldn't i was too far forward i couldn't hold the bar over my head so when i would split my chest was upright Mm -hmm. and i wouldn't have the problem so i could catch it up there without an issue and i could stand it up yeah if it's not broke don't fix it (laughs) okay next question is what is something you never thought you'd be able to do that you are now able to do? I mean, it's hard. So the way I view CrossFit is I'm going to try my best to do everything. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm a very competitive person, so I want to be able to do it all. So I don't ever tell myself that I can't do something because I feel like sometimes if you start with that mindset, then you're not going to be able to do that. And I know that's kind of contradictory because I just said, if I feel pain in the workout, mm-hmm. then I am going to do it. But I always try to approach the workouts with a positive attitude, keyword being try. So 
you know, I think I should have prefaced that question by saying more so when you started out. Yeah. So like, you know, if on your first day walking in, I know a lot of people, especially when they first start out, there's a lot of stuff they see in the gym where it's like, I'll never be able to do that. Yeah. So is that a mindset that you feel like you've always had or is it something that's become, I mean, that you've developed the more that you've started doing CrossFit and it's become part of what you do? I've had it. It's just gotten strengthened over time. Like for these movements, something like ring muscle ups or bar muscle ups or handstand walks, which I'm working on now, I feel like if I put in the time and energy, I'm going to get it eventually. There obviously all three of those movements I've mentioned just now, I've looked at them and was like, wow, that's going to be really hard. I I don't know when I'm going to get it. Maybe I'll never get it, but it's going to be something that I try eventually Mm -hmm. and I'm going to I'm going to do my best. So, you know, I got ring muscle ups in 2012, 2013. Unfortunately, I've gained a good amount of weight since then. And I really haven't been able to get them back. But bar muscle ups, I got. Yeah. Handstand push ups, I recently started getting well again. I'd had them early on when I was lighter. But now that I'm this weight and I'm comfortable being this weight, it was hard for me to do. I didn't have the shoulder strength, but I focused between Kelly and Mikey helping me a lot on those. I was able to start getting them again. Now I'm working on handstand walks and that's a process to say the least, but I'm getting them. It's fine because there's some movements where it's just, it's going to be practice and just putting in the time. Yeah. And there's other movements which are generally a little bit abusing to practice. Yeah. Like double unders being one of them in terms of that when you miss, you end up with the, the jump rope lashes and yeah, stuff like that. Right. I, I think handstand handstand walking is one of those where yeah, there's going to be, I was watching you do it the other day and I feel like I just watched you take a nose, to, not a nose dive. But yeah. it was kind no, of a, it, it was a nose dive. Yeah. I mean, you, you kind of walked in and as I went up, I kind of just ate <laughs> shit. Um. It's like Justin down. <laughs> And then it's one of those where, yeah, it's probably a little more dangerous, but I don't know if I ever tell myself I can't do something. I might say that that's going to be hard as hell. I don't know if I'm ever actually going to get it, mm-hmm. but in terms of telling myself I can't get something, I don't, I'm not sure I ever actually do that just simply because of the fact that I want to believe that I can. Yeah. I think that's a, you know, it's like that whole Henry Ford thing, you know, whether you say you think you can or you think you can't, you're probably right. Yeah. So just, just one of those things that yeah, you might not be able to do something now but that doesn't mean that it's off the list. It just means that we need to try to work on it. Yeah. I'm, don't get me wrong. Like ring muscle ups. I know I can't actually do right now. I've got work to put into getting them better, but I'm going to keep trying until yeah. something in my body is preventing me. You know, I listen to your body. You don't ever want to hurt yourself, mm-hmm. but I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep trying for them. Yeah. I think ring muscle ups particularly just, uh, they do this at the L1, but focusing on the strict aspect of it, mm-hmm. Because you have such a strong kip. I've seen on your bar muscle-ups that you get over that bar, you have a really nice glide over the top. Ring muscle-ups, the fact that we're able to turn the rings and control them, it tends to be if you have that strict strength, they actually do become a bit easier. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's part of the reason why I haven't gotten them and why I'm able to get bar muscle-ups. It's just such a... I'm able to use that fixed point to Mm -hmm. my advantage and I use my weight really well to swing through them. But then on the rings, they're kind of swinging with you and it's harder to use your weight to your advantage and use that kip to your advantage. So the strength aspect becomes much more important. No, I totally agree. Justin, next question. Are there any common myths that you often hear about CrossFit or the gym that you wish you could debunk? Yeah, um, so that you need to be super fit to be here to start. I remember the first year I started, the games were on ESPN. And I remember being at a bar uh, celebrating my friend's probably, what, 22nd, 23rd birthday at that time. And 
everyone being like, holy crap, those people are monsters. You know, you, you gotta be super fit. And when I talk to people who don't really work out outside and they hear that I do CrossFit, they're like, oh man, you must be so strong. You're like, how do you do that? And there was a really great saying painted on the wall of CrossFit Nittany that I remember and I take with me and it's come as you are, do what you can. Mm-hmm. And that was all it was. You're not trying to impress anyone. You're, you're not trying to lift more weight than everyone else in the gym. You're just doing what you can to push yourself. And as long as you do that, you're going to be happy. You're going to be, you know, you hopefully will be happy. You hopefully will be satisfied. And for me, I found that if I'm doing that and I'm doing as well as I think I can and I'm pushing myself, I found that that's the key to success in this and staying in it and staying happy. It's essentially just feeling like you've pushed yourself. And that's, I think, for anyone, anytime, but, you know, here. You don't have to be super fit. You come in, you do what you can. You know, if you can't do a whole lot of push-ups, do them from your knees or do them to a, a target that's a little bit higher. Oh, totally. Yeah. If you can't do pull-ups, do them with a, a band. You know, your squats are hurting. Hopefully everyone can squat. That's kind of a basic movement. Mm-hmm. But if you can't get full depth, do them to a box. There's always something that you can do to challenge yourself and to make it adaptable to you. Oh, I totally agree. It's funny because I think CrossFit's in a weird, they're in a weird spot because they've grown so much as a company, and you know there's the, the games of CrossFit or the CrossFit games where you get your Matt Fraser, your Fronings, your Tias, who are just these absolutely phenomenal athletes, and then you also have the CrossFit affiliates and the CrossFit community as a whole, where that's sort of the general population. That's the you know ninety nine point nine nine percent of the people who do CrossFit in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. and that's. That's our mother, Jerry Lowe. She's 76. She's in here. She's not in here because she's trying to qualify for the game. She's here because she wants to become a better version of who she is. She feels that it's it enables her to do more. It makes her feel stronger. Be healthy. It's helped her bone density. It's had all these impacts on her life that aren't really the competition side of things. It's mm-hmm. more just the benefit of doing these workouts and challenging herself a little bit each day. That's... One thing I've I've had this exact discussion with other people who don't CrossFit, who just work out at a gym or something like that. And not only do I say the health aspects of it, but it's also the, you wouldn't think that by joining your Sunday football league, you're going to go and play for the New York Giants. You're not just going to walk in and play with professionals. And right. that's what the people that you see on TV doing CrossFit, they're professionals. That's their job. Yeah. They work out multiple times a day. As long as they're not injury free, they'll able to work out even when they are injured a lot of the time they keep working out yeah so you know you wouldn't think that you're just gonna by signing up for a, a local beer league or something you're gonna go play with the the rangers but when you step on the ice you still can play you can still enjoy doing that it doesn't mean you have to be a professional level to enjoy you it. you can still enjoy the game mm-hmm. yeah exactly that's one of the biggest things we hear from a lot of people is obviously that they need to be fit to do it or that CrossFit is going to get you injured or it's a cult. Yeah. Those are like the top three yep. that keep coming up. Oh, my parents constantly say I'm in a cult, but I just kind of let it in one ear and out the other. <laughs> it happens. Yeah. So is religion though. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so Justin, we talked about what first brought you to the gym. What keeps you coming back after all these years? <laughs> I know everyone says this, but it really is the community. Uh, you guys in particular, but it's the community with everyone here. You know, I, I went to Nittany. But honestly, I didn't always follow through with going all the time. And yeah, I had other commitments at that time, law school, which was rough trying to fit school with working out. Didn't always work well, but this is one place where 
I feel like I can come and this is not to be mushy or corny, but this is my happy place. Like I come here and I'm relaxed and I, yeah. I leave and I'm more relaxed and this is where I can take time for myself and just enjoy and focus on me and get frustrations out for the day or what have you. I mean, I am coming here all the time, even if I'm just sitting here having a beer and talking with people for beer wad. It's fun. It's the community. It's the people that keeps me coming back. Yeah. I have to keep this question in there, but I think everyone answers it. That's the community for me. Yeah. And w- which I get, I think that's, it becomes something that Stacy, I had her on this past week and she finds it to be more than just a workout, that it's not just coming in to do the workout. It's the fact that she gets to see her friends, that she gets to connect with people, that she has made all these friendships and met all these people through the gym that she wouldn't have otherwise met. Mm-hmm. Working out and spending that time on yourself is going to be important regardless. I think everyone needs to do something for working out. I don't know if it needs to be CrossFit or it can be hiking or it can be bodybuilding or powerlifting, whatever it could be, as long as people have this thing. I think one of the things that makes CrossFit a little bit different, though, is the fact that everyone kind of does the same workout. It creates this, it's a common thread where it's an icebreaker between people and then whether it's a new person in class you're a little bit more likely to go up and give them a fist bump after you know hey nice job carol was here today you said hey nice job carol yeah and it was that whole thing that you know the fact that you guys just went through that together it does help make the connection there and i I think that's one of the things that really makes a crossfit gym different than your average traditional commercial gym where everyone just kind of goes in and does their own thing people have changed their lives there and i think for some people it does work but it is very hard to replicate that community thing when each person is just kind of doing their own thing and for sure try not to interfere with each other and i mean that was one of the rules at nittany so one of the things i took with me and i kind of even though i don't talk about this to anyone one of the rules at nittany was if you wouldn't have to do burpees or you know have any penalty for being late to class but if there was a new member and you didn't say hi to them you didn't introduce yourself to them you would have a penalty yeah so that's one of the things i've kind of got uncomfortable i was uncomfortable with but i've gotten very used to now and like i've followed through with because when you're that new person it sucks and especially coming in and seeing people talk like you know we have a close-knit community Mm -hmm. coming in and seeing people talk it can be intimidating but as soon as you have someone break the ice for you and talk to you and make you feel included yeah it helps so much and we have a a really tight-knit community i mean there was a time two weeks ago i think when i didn't come in and work monday tuesday or work out monday and tuesday and I came in Wednesday and I, the first thing that happened when I walked in is Paula and Anna were here and, you know, I had been coming to the four o'clock pretty regularly and they both said, you know, are you okay? What, what's been going on? And, you know, I have my set schedule and I follow it pretty well most days, but they, you know, were genuinely concerned that something had happened to me for those two days because I wasn't here. Like, yeah. It was so irregular. <laughs> and I was like, no, I'm, I'm good. I was just taking a few days. Yeah. I but, was concerned seeing you at a 7:30 AM class on a Saturday one week. <laughs> that was, that was because I had to <laughs> sign up for the nine too late. And I kind of regret it because then I had to do quick burpees with Garrett, but <laughs> I made it through. I yeah. made it through. It happens. Yeah. It's good stuff. Justin, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Yeah, it's, it's been a pleasure. A, absolutely pleasure. awesome. I, we, we see you all the time, but I always enjoy having these conversations with people and getting a chance to catch up a little bit more. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for inviting me. I appreciate it. I so, had a great time. Justin, everyone, we'll see you soon. Thank you for listening to another episode of Strongtown Talks. If you enjoyed the show, please feel free to leave us a rating or review. We are always grateful for any feedback we get. 